Hello everybody and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Chai with Rai, episode 16 to be exact. Now if you are a new listener tuning into the show, hello, how are you? Welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Thank you for supporting and I hope you all are doing great and having a lovely time. Now Chai with Rai is a show I like to call my digital jukebox of hidden gems in which I reach out to working creatives in the entertainment and fitness industry. We get into discussing all things from life lessons to politics, socialism, culture, history to love, sex, the digital space and of course the industry itself. Now a little bit of a background of the show itself. It is an IG live show which I am slowly transferring onto podcast. So if you would like to watch any of the videos of the show, simply go onto YouTube and type in Chai with Rai to find the relevant episode and go and follow these amazing artists and show them some love. All of the information of this will be in the description boxes or description sections of the show. Um, and without, um, <laughs> without further ado, I'm going to stop right and let's get into today's episode. I am looking so forward for you to listen to this episode today because this episode is just filled with just such rich language and history and experience because today's guest is Raymond Chai. Now Raymond is not only just a choreographer, a teacher, a facilitator, a ballet master, an actor, but just such a generous soul from the day that I met him and I met him a while ago at a wonderful studio called Danceworks which is based in central London. I attended his ballet classes and I also went to his classes in the Central School of Ballet and having attended ballet classes before now if some of you have attended a ballet class and you feel as same as I do ballet classes can be quite intimidating if you haven't trained in it and if you're just starting out and I would just say that regardless of if you're a beginner or an advanced person, Raymond treats you with such love, such generosity, and you really feel the warmthness of his soul and his class and his passion just come through everything that he does. And we're going to get into all of that, including his experience, his credits, and just talking about the industry. We really get into the industry, that's a weird way of saying it, industry, talking about diversity, inclusion, um, race we really get into that at one point and talking about the modernization of it the politics and so much more and I just want to read you some of the heavyweight champions Raymond has worked with before we get into anything so his credits include Royal Shakespeare Company London Palladium Royal National Theatre working with Matthew Bourne Richard Alston Akron Khan English National Ballet and One Bear Dance so I hope you're ready listening to that and we're gonna get into it, so let's get into it, okay? Get your cuppers ready and let's do this. Hello! Firstly, how are you? How are you doing? How was your day? Thank you. Uh, good, thank you. Did, good. Um, I actually went to teach, so that was a good thing. Yeah. Um, being a student by myself in a studio alone, <laughs> um, then relaying it and um, and and yeah. So it was a good start. I, I, I was teaching Rumba Company and it was a good start. Oh wait, some fantastic dancers, which you some of them you know. Yes. Um, Are you an early bird or not really? Oh no, no. No. I, I like to go to bed very late. The best time for me actually, when I feel most awake, is around one or two in the morning. 
same. I think that's a creative thing. I it think. is. It is. It's all yeah. those years of, and and it has not left me. I mean, I stopped performing for oh, fifteen years now. Yeah. Um, so, but it hasn't left me. The only, and it was what I tell you what was really really hard was changing my my dinner, my eating habits because I'm so oh. used to when I did a show when it shows in West End or yeah. Or even when I was in the company, you come home 10 o'clock, you know, you, you wind down to bed or something, yeah. or 11 o'clock, you know, and then I will have a meal. So, and then I will wake up, you know, 9 o'clock or something like that. And but then, now, obviously, I, sh I can't and I shouldn't. Um, so, that, that was hard because now I try to eat before 9 and by 11 o'clock, I'm starving. Absolutely starving. <laughs> <laughs> and I I'll tell you something. What? I, when I say Asian, oh. I mean I mean I mean South Asian. Sorry, sorry, any South Asian, East Asian, Southeast Asian people listening. I'm sorry, because the thing is that for especially for the man, yes, right, it goes right there. It goes right the waist. So, yeah. So yeah. it's the about just yeah. So I have to be careful. <laughs> I feel like you're in a better shape than me, though. Don't like oh, no, literally. Don't no, no, I no. literally have been nothing but eating and eating and eating through last year, and I've gained so much weight that I just I I think like I I to be honest with you, I don't know if you feel this. I love having weight and being normal. If I wasn't in the entertainment industry, I would care so less about everything. Oh really? Do you I'm, feel that? Like, I love well, being healthy and I love I'm, eating and I love working out, but I would care so less about my appearance and so, so less about like being toned or having muscles and all of that sort of situation. The, the being, having muscles and kind of looking fit, it's not really that, I, I like it. So I, I try to do that, but what, what actually I found, I thought when I stopped dancing and I did put on a bit of weight, you know, which I actually liked. Yeah. I have been always been very skinny, actually. I'm always the other way. You know, going on a diet means putting on the weight. When I was, especially when I was young, younger, um, and um, it was in a ballet company. I, I was because of lifting girls and everything. Nobody wants to dance with me. They would never cast me like, well, he never did <laughs> her. <laughs> and the girls are like, oh, shoot, now I've got, a, I've got him again, <laughs> kind of thing. So I would need to put on the weight and go to the gym, you know. So, uh -huh. but, then, but then I, and it was hard for me because I'm quite, I've got a fast uh, rate of metabolism as well. So got it's it. quite difficult for me to fill, fill up. And then when I actually stopped performing, I started to fill up a little bit. And, and that was nice. And I actually thought, you know what, I, I feel good. And I feel I look good as well. So much more kind of normal. But when I put on a bit more, I actually felt really uncomfortable. Oh, really? I think it's a good thing because it makes me not um, kind of want to put on weight and not eat so much. But it really makes me uncomfortable. I mean, I, I feel I feel like you know the roles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel, yeah, yeah, no, I feel that. And yeah. and and it's yeah. So I, I'm kind of pleased because I think if it's vanity, I would give it up, or I'd just be depressed. You know, yeah. I, I haven't got that discipline. So if it's a vanity thing, I would either go, you know, what I don't care, or I care, but. I haven't got the discipline, so I get depressed because I'm not looking good. But I actually don't feel good. I, I feel kind of sluggish and heavy, yeah, but more sluggish. It's, it's, yeah, so it makes me want... I mean, I, I've taken up running whole lockdown, and I've enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I love that. I enjoyed it very much, actually. So, hey. that, yeah. I feel you. Do you ever look back at the... At kind of like your history from being a dancer to a choreographer and the companies that you've worked with and personally I was like I didn't know that 
Richard Olsen was one of was in that sort of pack. Did you work with him during kind of like the section of Rombe, or was that prior to that? Or it, it was around that time. I came back to the UK. Sorry, I jumped in there. No, I no, came no. back to the UK in two thousand because I, I spent ten years in Germany. Yes, um, doing, I, I did a lot of theatre there, and I was a ballet master there as well. But at, at two, I finished Saigon in nineteen ninety nine, and. Um, I was going to stay there. I became a ballet master in a ballet company. I was going to stay there, but I got an invite to come to do the King and I uh, with Elaine Page and and Jason uh, Jason Scott Lee, and they wanted they wanted Asian people in. Yeah, they, I mean, they, of course they couldn't advertise that, but they wanted Asian people. I mean, you could get away being half Asian, but you first you got to look it. I mean, there was really nobody who you go like, Are you sure? Kind of thing. We were all so they wanted, and because Saigon just finished yes. in Germany, where I was cast, for some reason they invited a whole, whole lot of us. But I didn't go at that time because I thought, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of dance. So I didn't go. I didn't go for for the audition, and so I stayed in Germany. And it was actually during Christmas. Actually, it was during a choir practice in a church. Another Saigon member was next to me, and then he just said, "You know, oh, so and so, you know, who got offered one of the roles in yes. uh, the interpreter in King and I, he's not taking it." Um, and he just mentioned it like that because, oh, because he wanted to stay in Berlin. And I thought, you know what, that role I could do, and I would, I would do it if it's that role. So I, I, I kind of I did call them up actually, and they invited. They kept wanting to see me dance, and I kept saying, "I don't want to dance. I just want to be acting." And and actually, it was it was you know when you well I wasn't young that time, but you when you are kind of cocky. I mean, the choreographer yeah. was Laluba Rich, and he was one of the biggest contemporary choreographers at that time. Yeah, you know? and I just kept saying, and he kept saying, "But La want to see you," and I kept saying, "But I don't want to do it." And at, at one point, actually, I, I I because I was living in Germany, and I actually I was um I was choreographing opera. That, oh wow! Um, so and it was it was premiering or something like that, and so I could only have one day. Basically, yes. fly the evening, the next day, spend the whole next day, and and come back the, the following day. And I booked a flight like eleven or twelve or one o'clock something, so that I come back for the evening performance. And they and and they, they the, the day they did see me act in order to film me and everything it was fine. And then they kept saying, you know, would you dance? And I kept no, 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 no. And then they said, well, tomorrow morning, could you come? Because uh, okay. La, La would be there and he would see you. And I said, oh, no, I can't come anyway because I've got a flight and I have to be in the airport by, by, by 11 o'clock something. So I can't make it anyway. And at 8 o'clock that night, I literally, I mean, I got a call and they said, La, La wants to see you privately at 8 o'clock in the morning. At Pilot, oh, wow. actually. And I thought, oh, no, I can't do this. So anyway, but anyway, that's how I got back to England. You know what? That's how, what, what, where did this go? Where was no, no, it's fine. Oh, I my God, back. I'm loving these stories. Oh, no, I came back. That's why I came back to... It's all a long story for me. Always a big story, big drama. That's why I came back to, to London. Yes. You see? So, and I was doing King and I 2000, 2001. And at that time, because I've already been teaching and ballet mastering in... Germany, you In, in Germany and yes. in, in uh, Europe. Then Rompat invited me to teach the company. And then Richard also invited me. And I, I the company... And I will forever be grateful for to them actually because because 
I was teaching that the school, which is which is at the place, you know, they it was there, and um, he's he was my boss. He's my friend, but I've always looked up to him, David. He they needed a teacher because another teacher was going off. She was going for a hip operation, so they needed right. a teacher for a year. And he just said, "What about the guy upstairs who's been teaching for Richard Austin?" And that's how I got into the place. Wow. Um, I never would have thought that I'll be teaching in the contemporary um, setting or something. And you know what? I, I, it's been 14 years. How it's opened me, opened my, my way of thinking. You know, I'm still ballet and I'm still very yes. ballet. And I would never change, I suppose. But to be able to teach ballet, teach ballet to contemporary dancers in a contemporary setting. And it's so, yeah. So Richard Austin, yeah. I have, I think, I just want to take you back to just one of these things, and I wonder how it feels, and I wonder who our generation of that is. When you, when I said the name Matthew Bourne, Akram Khan, Richard Olsen, you know, you've worked with staple, I feel like these are, not to put down anybody who's right now on their path to, but these are staple household legendary kind of names were they that at the time did you know of the power of their presence or it isn't until today's age that now we know these are household names and what a privilege it was or like a pinch me moment it was to work with them or they were just like your friends that have just happened to become staples well they were they were all, I mean, Akram Khan is Akram Khan, so, you know, yes. even at that time, I, I started teaching Akram's company, um, I don't know, 2008, 2005, 2006, something like that, on and off for, for, for a long time too. And you know who Akram Khan is, you know, I mean, yes. all right, you know, one does. And, and so it's always been that, um, Matthew Bourne, it's always been Matthew Bourne. I mean, Akram, I, I was teaching his company and, and, you know, you teach his company and blah, blah, blah. But it's kind of until you know you you meet the man and you know the man and he's Akram Khan. But such humility in that man. And yet again, one thing I'll tell you one thing that Akram has taught me. I don't think he even knows this, but uh, uh, his his associate, uh, my, my my great friend, Baba uh, uh, Maven. I was teaching, and Maven wasn't actually. I was teaching, and Akram. He wasn't doing class, but he came in and, and, and he saw me teaching, and then he went and did his own warm up, and he came back. But so I taught the ballet class and he was going to give the warm-up for the contemporary, you know, to give his, his yes. uh, uh, class that warm-up. Blah, blah, blah. To see him give the respect to the studio and the yeah. space. I mean, it, and it wasn't kind of like, all right, guys, stop. We need to look at the thing and we need to bow down. It wasn't that at all, you know. Um, I, he asked me if I would like to join because this guy said, no, 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 I'll love to watch. So I, I sat down and watched. And, you know, he, he came to a room that, that was his company dancers. So it was company dancers. It wasn't like an open class of students. It was his yes. company, you know. And it was just that respect, you know, to the space and then to the art. And again, it was just like that. It wasn't, you know, as I say, a big thing, you know, drums and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We need to bow and kneel. It was, and I sat there and I just, I told myself, I said, my God, Raymond, it was one of the biggest thing I've learned because I've, I've been in ballet since day one. And, you know, when, when you've been through it, you know, it, it's kind of, you want to take it easy or you want to take it, you want to give the, the think of, you know, easiness for people in the studio, especially in companies. And sometimes yes. you can let that go a bit. And, and then um, with Akram, it really shows his, his respect for the art. And, and I don't want to say, you know, it's corny because it's not corny. 
you know, and I don't want to say, oh, nowadays it's not there anymore. It, it's not that. It's just, I know I certainly have, I, I, I don't think I've lost the respect of the art, but I consciously, I think I might have, in a way, lost the respect. Yeah. The way that he, he, before he started, and the way that he uh, gave the respect to the space, yeah. and then to each other, all that. And it was just that, it was so kind of matter-of-fact that made me thought, you know, these are the moments that make me think, wow. I mean, Afghan yeah. Khan, as I said, was always Afghan Khan. He's, he's that, you know, what he's done to the dance world. Matthew Bourne, thank God for Matthew Bourne. He's given a niche to a whole generation Great of dancers who, who wants to dance or wants to be dancers, you know. Yes. So not, not musical theater dancers. So they, yes. don't be, they don't be singing, acting or speaking maybe, but they want to dance. But they also don't just want to dance. I mean, lack of a better way of saying it, dance just about the dance. They want to act, basically. They want a character. So that niche, that, that niche that he's just created. I mean, for me, he's a great storyteller. I mean, he, he, what, for me, he's one of the great storytellers, uh, Matthew Bond. He really knows yes. how to tell a story. He knows how to take a story and, and make it his own or something. And, and he's given a platform, a company, to, to, a platform to the dancers that, that, that can be can do that, you know, Agreed. and so many dancers have gotten the, got into the performing arts well, career. Because of. Yeah, yeah. Um, as, uh, you know, as work, not just movie. Um, yeah, so, and, and you know what, these two men, I mean, you know, Richard Olsen as well, it's always such humble, such humility. Yeah, I, I, I brought up, I'm always putting people on pedestal, you know, not, not falsely, but I'm yes. always like, my God, it's him. And I'm talking to him and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, it's just humility and always about the art, about the art, about the dance. Yes. Um, which, yeah, it's, it's inspiring. Absolutely inspiring. That inspires me beyond words. I, I remember there was one before. I came from kind of a smaller city, so it would be like a Birmingham or yep. Manchester kind, so it was in London. So it's a smaller city in Malaysia. And so at that time also, you know, uh, 60s, early 70s, there's no, the companies won't go there, you know, because it's, right. it's, it's the one that you pass through and food kind of thing. Um, so, but I do remember, yeah, the strange <laughs> people coffee, you know. Um, but I do remember seeing one performance and they were dancing and I think they were probably doing ballet because I think they had like long tutus on. But yeah. that was just it. But really, I don't remember when there was a moment or a time when I wanted to dance or be a dancer. It was just, that's what I want to do. And then again, when you're growing up, that young naivety, I think, innocence, you know, that's what I'm going to do kind of thing. I think performing, performing, yes, it, it, it was something that I wanted to do. And uh, the shape of a house, I remember my parents' house in Malaysia, the shape of it, you can, the way the sitting room is and, and, and kind of going out to the garden, you could almost believe like a, a stage thing, you know, like going out like a conservatory where you have yes. something for, for me. So I always remember the sitting room with the stage and then the, the facing out to the garden would be the audience thing. So I remember kind of wanting to perform. Yeah. But I, I, my parents, actually, I've been thinking about that. My parents, I think, are very, very musical. Very musical. But they were the generation of, you know, you don't do that. <laughs> you, you just, it's not in their, it's not in their mind. But I think they're very musical. My dad loves 
singing and all that kind of thing. My mom, I mean, she must have been because she bought herself a piano and paid for piano lessons herself. Just for a couple of years, I remember. Yeah. Um, and we all had piano lessons, but that's kind of kind, quite Asian, quite Malaysian, you know, we, so, we, 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 you know, middle class families. So, yeah, but dance was something and, and it was something that I wanted because I, I found out about a school in Malaysia because I was walking around town and then I found, oh, that's a ballet school. I, I sneaked in, I had a look, then told my mom, asked my mom if I could do it. No. So that, I don't know why that came. I really don't. I, I try, I've been trying to think about it. I really don't. It's, I think, I think we need to go back into the vaults, which one day we'll do. We'll do like a whole psychotherapy, soul shape exactly. situation. Yeah. Like, how was your childhood? How did that make but you apparently, feel? Apparently, um, apparently, my, I've got two uncles. Apparently, one of my uncles was a ballroom champion. So maybe there is uh -huh. in the family. I don't know. And I can't do ballroom for peanuts. I, I can't. I, I love never to. I would love Raymond, to. Raymond, you never but, know. Yeah. You never know where this podcast might, did, uh, this little situation may lead to. Yeah, By the end, you might be doing the Viennese waltz and you might be just, you know, a professional. I tried salsa and tango, which people were like, are you sure you're a, you were a dancer? Kind of thing. So, yeah. Can you not hear the one? That was, that was my thing. Raymond, can you not hear the one? Can you not hear the music? Um, so firstly, if you were to describe ballet, what would it be? And if, if I was to say, is it for the elitist or a specific class, what would your response to that be as a consumer of watching it? Well, I certainly don't think it's for the elitist, for the higher class. I certainly don't think yeah. so. I think it came, it came to be because it started, it started in the French courts, didn't it? It started with royalty. So that, yes. but, but thankfully now it's much more accessible. Um, it could be more. I think we could do more than that to bring it more accessible. So I certainly don't think it's for any, I, I don't think it's for any class, basically. Yeah. I, I, I think that something, sometimes people put that because there's something about, especially with ballet and, and also maybe ballet dancers or da dancers who like doing ballet. There's something about that trying to reach, well, we, we do that anyway, that's our training, isn't it? Yeah. We try to attain the un unattainable. We're always trying to reach something further up, further up kind of thing, and going on point, that kind of thing. So that might give the sense of it being something that is unattainable. Okay. So that maybe it's, it's giving that elitist, you know, kind of like, well, you have to have certain kind of body type to do it. You need to have certain kind of technique to do it. So it makes it that. But now, because, okay, the, it's different. I mean, a colleague of mine actually did say something. He said, you know, we have to start differentiating between ballet and classical ballet. I, I think now with classical ballet or classical ballet dancers or classical ballet companies, because ballet companies now just do contemporary works as well. So, you know, that there is a certain aesthetic that kind of body shape, body type, um, certain, yeah, but that's also can be quite broad. The technique that you need, you know, so, but that sort of, style that you know but to do ballet i think i don't want to say anybody can do ballet but it's not you don't you don't have to be that kind of one way yeah one um so be because also because of the structure and because it's so you have to be this be this i think people think it's so elitist now but i think we need to 
kind of put that away as well and, 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 start think, and start saying to people now. Because the number of contemporary companies yes. that invites me are from kind of one of them, um, have invited me to teach ballet to their, to their dancers. Do you know? And ballet, I think, if you look in the dictionary, it means dance. So, well, it, I, I think it came from the French court. So steps like the minuets, um, the little battery thing, you know, they're all um, courtly steps. And pe ballet people who are listening, I'm really sorry if I'm getting all this wrong. Yeah, all the <laughs> dance critics out Like, there. Raymond, you're wrong, um, you're wrong. <laughs> you know what, I'm going to get into like, who taught you ballet? Um, so, I mean, the point, Shu, going on point is really define gravity. We try to defy gravity. That's why the men lift the woman, you know? Yeah. Um, that yeah. other thing, you know, because the woman has to be light kind of thing. So when you go on point, it, 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 it makes you kind of lighter. You're going further up. So that's kind of the point, Shu, thing. There's various forms of ballet, and then there's various, like we talked about classical ballet and things like that. However, when I look at Chinese ballet or Russian ballet or British ballet or ballet from New York, I feel like there's a specific, um, is that just a styling choice, would you say? Or that is, it's set in that way and that is how it's meant to be done? No, I think it came, I think it's more the stylistic thing. I mean, ballet, when we blossom, I've I just learned. <laughs> or last year the ballet actually did not come from Russia, it did not come from France, it came from Italy. So, but, but Russia is when it blossomed, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it, um, so the Russians had that with the classical ballet, that, that's the style. So I mean, I wouldn't say there is something like a Chinese ballet or an Indian ballet or a Russian ballet. Yeah? It's, for, for me, again, maybe sounding corny, ballet is universal. Got it. And yeah, how you do it, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't think that's, you know, a Chinese ballet. It would be Chinese people doing ballet. Yeah. Um, and in that way, I actually think it's great. Being ballet being that universal. If we can bring it even more down, or I, I don't want to say bring it more, more down because people are, I think we are, I genuinely believe that we are trying to not make it so elitist. Yeah. I think there's still people thinking that, oh, it's too elitist, but we're trying very hard not to make it. But I think the beautiful thing about ballet, and maybe that's why it works, is because it is universal. You don't put, you don't put, and that's why it sometimes it, it, it kind of, it is an European art rather, well, I shouldn't say European art. It, it started in Europe, but yeah. it's not, it's not a, in a way, European thing. A lot of the stories are Giselle, Sydney Beauty, all these yes. are, but it doesn't mean that if you're Chinese, you can't do that or can't identify with it or Indian or, or um, from another part of the world. So, and I think that is the beauty, perhaps, with ballet and even yeah. classical ballet, that it is universal. But we must, what I think what we must do is that we have to start looking that, and not looking like what well, it should be like that. I mean, again, uh, the disciplines, the, when you do classical ballet, um, it should be like that in the sense of the way you do it, because that's been set. But it shouldn't kind of be a certain type of people doing it. Do you think, obviously, I think from talking to you, we can, we can talk about the evolution of ballet and dance as a medium in general. Has the repertoire changed? Have creations changed? And also, my understanding is that, again, I, I'm, I get my information from watching movies and certain pieces like Giselle's, the actually an attending role um, National Opera House. It, my information comes from there. So I, I, 
I feel like repertoires were created and people come and they recreate them. And yes. can you actually create a new ballet piece and does it need to get signed off by like a ballet committee and be like, okay, now you can tour it? Like how, yeah. Sorry. No, when you do, I think when you do classical ballets, when you do a classical ballet like Swan Lake or Sleeping Beauty, Giselle, you know, or even further on the Balanchine Ballets, further on the Macmillan Ballets, yeah? These are, they're created in, in a certain way, they're created um, to tell the story that way. So we need to be respectful to that. Like the classical ballet, we need to be respectful to that. Why is it done? How is it done? Blah, blah, blah. But I think, I certainly think we can still push the boundaries. Okay. So we don't, we don't, we don't kind of say, I, I personally believe kind of like, well, to a certain point, of course, this is the way it is because this is the way that's been choreographed. But it doesn't mean that you can't put maybe speed into it, play in the, uh, the character remains the same, but then you as a person doing it would give it a slightly different portrayal. So that we can open to that, be open to that. And then as dancers, I think, I think when, when you say, you know, coming maybe off classical ballet into dance, I think physically we have evolved. The training has evolved. Um, I think bodies are different now. Uh, yeah. so the training is much stronger. Choreographers, um, uh, because I think presented with the training and the bodies, choreographers are more, I don't know, inspired. They, and nowadays, I think, thankfully, we're not kind of like this anymore. We can like try this, do this, you know. So that's being pushed. So um, you, 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 see, you see the very classical ballets and you see the, the ballets that are, that are made today. How does one recreate the original, let's say, Giselle, Sleeping Beauty, Swan, like all of those? I understand that there's specific dancers who have taken part in that and then, or interestingly so, I don't know why this thought came to my head, but technically you could change the syllabus and just change a couple of moves yourself and just be like, no, no, I performed it like that. That is what it is. Can you actually do that? Well, no, because like it's something like Swan Lake. But how is is it recorded? That's not what it is. Is it recorded? Because back in the day, there was no. Well, it is recorded, and also, I mean, something that I I really love. It's um, and and uh, and the Indian dance do do that. I think if I'm not wrong, um, when it's been passed on. Ah. You know, and 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 that's why for me again, I'm I'm quite. You know, when people say like, oh, they negate the traditions. That's that they they they. It was passed on from the, the person who originated Swan Lake into Swan into Swan. Into, now, of course, we have notation. Now we have videos, so we look at the steps, and then. Yeah. But thankfully, we still have people who have either done it or worked with a choreographer. Like, we, okay, let's talk back about Maven and, and Akram. You know, I mean, Maven. I say that because I don't know if he's still there. <laughs> he works with Akram, so yep. he knows what he wants. So when he rehearses, coach the dancers, he would be able to do it. Now that, you can't get that from a video. So no. you can get the steps. So you can get sort of a run up there, run back, do this, do that, you know, and that's what the notator might do, right? But it's so important, and with the balancing balance as well. But you have somebody who heard him say, I mean, I was fortunate enough to work with the dancers who worked with him. Got it. And, um, and I was fortunate enough because balancing did so much for the girls. So boys, don't, we don't really have much, but I loved it. So I would stay in the rehearsal room to listen. And, and the things he said, like, oh, he did it that way because she couldn't do it. That's why he changed it. Oh, on account five, because blah, 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 blah. So these, 
that's what makes it alive. Because if you just reproduce it from mm -hmm. a video, from the notation, which is very important because, because you know, then you know the stats. But the coach, the people who coaches, it's, it's invaluable because again, and, and because it's art, and you're not produce, reproducing a set of exercises because it's art, yeah. you need life. You need somebody to breathe life into it. And to make the understanding, somebody say, the reason why you need to look that is because, you know, and then, and then I've worked with some people like that and it just, it just makes a difference. It just makes, suddenly it's like, oh, okay. It's like, well, of course I would do that then, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, so I think, coaches coaching people who coach um we, we must never nowadays it's so we we do um, uh, we do kind of negate a little bit that um which is so important yeah so important what the master said what the mistress said what the choreographer had said why does it have to be like that um but giving the artist room as well huh? giving the yeah. artist room as well to interpret uh, interpret it yeah But I wanted to ask you, um, what does dance and ballet mean to you specifically? If you were to describe it, its emphasis to you, do you have like, because there's lots of people who are like, it's my culture or like I have a very special connection to it, to me it's a language, you know, people will go on that sort of situation. So I want to ask you what it means to you. And then after that, I want to kind of get into a quick little two minute or five minute situation of from birth to now, how you got into dance, and quick little bosh, because we have to get that out of the way. We so first, pers connect personal connection. What does dance and ballet mean to you specifically? And then secondly, from birth to now, your trajectory or journey as a dancer, teacher, choreographer, as Raymond Chai. Um, what ballet means to me, I mean, it, it's, I, it's not that I don't know anything better, but it's something that I've done all my life, thankfully. I'm blessed yeah. with that, you know, so it's a big part of my life. Um, but do you know what though? Let's go. Okay, I'll go a little bit further than what ballet means to me or why, or but okay. what ballet or dance means to people. Just look at this time when we when we're in COVID. The number of people that that takes class or dance and they're doing that in the kitchen. They're yeah. doing that in the living rooms. And I give that. That's some of my Zoom classes. Yeah? And the people come. So there's something about it. There's something about dance. It, it, it does transcend. It's a little bit about music, but I think it, it's brought up because you, you actually can see it. You don't, you don't need words. It's, it's, when it's movement, when it's the look of the eye or the turn of the head, you know, these sort of things. Yeah? And dance just makes that a bit more aware. Um, and dancers are a bit used that much more, you know, to communicate, basically. Got it. Yeah? yeah? Um, and then what is the other one? The, what did I do? I, as I said, I don't know when I started, but I was very fortunate. Um, um, my mom to shut me off. Well, actually, it's not a school teacher. Actually, told her and said, like, listen, let him do it. He'll probably get tired of it, you know, in a year or two. You know, if, if you don't let him do it, he'll blame you for it. But if you let him do it and he doesn't want to do it anymore, at least you said you 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 know let him have a go. So she did, and then she kind of lost me because I never. And I was saying I never didn't want to do it, and um, very fortunate I got a scholarship to come to England. So that's that's how it's that did that. My 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 dad was more willing. I all, I've always had support. Huh? 
I'm How, very, what very scholarship, Sorry, what scholarship, mm -hmm. if you don't mind me asking, was it in the arts or was it in specifically in ballet? Ballet. Oh, totally. Ballet. ballet. And that's um, at what age? I came here when I was 16. I think 16. 17, wow. And I got a scholarship, yeah. And By then, yourself? And then, wow. Yeah. Oh, but it's quite normal for Malaysians to come because that's what you do. Really? You send your children to England. <laughs> just send um, them to ballet. Is it normal for Malaysians to just come into ballet at 16? Not Malaysians, not Malaysians. And not certainly Malaysians. not a boy. I was the only one. Oh, really? Really, yeah. So, um, but, but you know what, again, I, I, I don't know. I, I was like that. And, and looking back, it was a good thing. I was so kind of focused that I never questioned. Now I look back, I wish I, wish I did question a bit more being, you know, boy, Asian, doing ballet, where it stands in the world. But at that time, I was so focused. I, really, I mean, I got it. I got the scholarship. My parents said I could come. I came and I worked my ass off to... And it was harder. I mean, I don't want to say it's easy because I'm not your typical. I'm not tall. I'm not short, but I'm not tall. I'm not big built. And I'll tell you something. I was at the time when <sighs> that you just got into power and she put... And she put the no immigration, no immigrant policies. So that's why I had to go to Europe, you know, because she, yeah, and the companies wanted me, but they were like, well, you're not a star, so we can't employ you kind of thing. Wow. So, yeah. In a nutshell, that's it. What was your first ever work as a working dancer, would you say, after yeah. you graduated? Or was in, it during... In a ballet company, in a ballet company, with the National Ballet in Lisbon. National Ballet. Yeah, yeah. When you were a, um, a budding young dancer training at your scholarship program, what, was the what is the peak for you? Like, what were you? I want to I wanna play this role in this specific production with this specific choreographer. Did you ever have that? Or you were just like, no, I want to go there, 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 there. Uh, at that time, I think I, I, I wanted to do ballet, classical ballet. That was it. Although, looking back, because of my physique, you know, I would not have been a prince. But actually, but it's funny. I'm one of those. You know, it's a it's a paradox. Yeah, I'm my my whole my physically. I'm not a prince, or I would like to say the the world's version vision of a prince, how it should be. You know. Yeah. But deep inside, I'm very much that. I'm very much the lyrical, the princely thing. So that's why it's always been a fight, either with choreographer or with myself, because that's me, that lyrical princely cavalier but i'm not like that um kind of um physically let's put it this way or not made for it not made so much for it but that's what you do the boys at that time you 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 learn all the classics all the classical roles and that's what you do that's what you do you learn your Sydney beauty your swan legs and your bluebirds and and you hope that one day you will join a company and yeah. I know how it is financially to survive as a freelance, um, freelance performer. Um, I, I know how it is to survive as a freelance dancer in terms of contemporary, having no people work for, who work for Rambea, Hofesh and Yasmin. But is it financially um, profitable? And like, do you make a good living as a ballet dancer or it's, it's still a struggle? As a freelance dancer or as a, as a dancer with a company? As a, as a ballet dancer. I think it's better now. Much better. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully. Thankfully. Freelancers still have it hard. 
Yeah. Um, I think contemporary dancers have it hard too because contemporary dancers not as wide as ballet because ballet dancers, the companies are bigger because you need the core, you need ensemble. So, you know, but, but contemporary dancers, uh, contemporary dance companies are a bit smaller. So obviously um, less people. Does the company, okay, I've only seen this on TV, but does the company actually cover certain things such as like private physiotherapist or like certain things to make your body functional and to be in a specific space to be able to perform a specific way? Well, it, it, depends, on, it depends on the companies and how, how well-funded they are. But the, 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 the most estate companies, the well-funded companies, I think now they do. They do because I think, yeah. thankfully, again, people are realizing um, the importance of the things around it, the physiotherapy, the, the well-being of dancers, all important to the dancer. In our time, it wasn't that. You just kind of get on with it. Yeah. The salary goes, get the points you pay, pay for, blah, 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 blah. But now, you know, physio. We, when I was in company, we had physio already. You know, but, but yeah, to look after the dancer um, is, is so important. Because firstly, dancers are people. We are artists, you know, um, and um, they do that in sports. Why, why shouldn't they do it in the arts? Agreed. No, agreed. Is it better for you, would you say, personally, um, monetarily, surviving as a dancer or surviving as a teacher? Sorry, working. Let's take the word uh, surviving. Working, working ballet dancer, monetarily, is that better? Or working choreographer slash ballet teacher? You talk about me, or you talking about general? General and yourself. Well, I mean, dance, dance as a career is so precarious anyway, you know. But yeah. when, once you, uh, an actor friend of mine was saying, he said, once you, once you're in it, it's great. You know, Agreed. So once you're Agreed. in the company dancing, that's great. I mean, teaching is just, it's just another side of it, another, another profession. So I mean, I think with teaching, unless you, you freelance teacher, but you know, maybe there's more security because if you're teaching, you'd be, you'd be tied to an institution. So you, you get your, 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 your salary. But for a dancer, I mean, even though you're with a company, but after X number of years, dancers, because we are artistic people, we need stimulus, we leave anyway. You know, we'll leave because we need the stimulus. So yeah. and another a friend of mine, my school friend used to say, because she was in the company and, and we were talking and she said, it's, it's strange. As soon as you're happy and you feel contented, it's time to leave. God, you want to leave you the know? party on a high. You never want to be the last guest there. Well, because, because we, as I say, we, we, we need the stimulus. So you yep. can be working with the dream choreographer. You know, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, when you're young, like when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, you get there. So, I mean, give yourself 10 years, but if you're working 10 years with the same person, you, you want, you, 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 you love working you, and you still love working with him or her, but you need something different for, for, your, for your sanity, for, to, to, to kind of pull you away, you know, so that you, 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 you explore the other parts of your, your artistry. So, yeah. Uh, even in the company, when I was when I was in the company, and our company, we had a big repertoire. I mean, we were going here and there, blah blah blah. But even that, I mean, for me, it was eight years, eight and a half years. I think it it was time to go because because I I just needed to do it because that's how you grow. Do you miss dancing, or you're very much happy? If you could dance, would you dance today? It, it, bar any rules, the world is an oyster. Or would you continue where you are today? I I would dance. I I wouldn't. Obviously, because 
I can't imagine how it is not having the pain, not feeling the pain every day because I but feel the bar, pain. But the world is our oyster. The world is our oyster. If I can, but it's hard because I'm, I'm in a different place. In a different headspace. Yeah, different headspace. So, you know, I might not want to do the classical works because yeah. I know what they entail. But if I, if I just say dance and I can still express myself on stage and there's no pain, um, yeah. Do it. It is quite, it is quite an amazing feeling, even and, and I don't know the people who are doing, who've done class with me or listening, even when we are doing in our sitting room, our kitchens, because it does take you somewhere. We, yeah. we are expressing and it's transcendent. I don't know if I, is that the one? You, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't kind of explain it that way. It, it does. I try to do that when I, when I teach, when I give class. Yeah, so to take us out of that, um, to bring us to another level. But, it, it is it is quite different and that's why I'm, i have a lot of respect for the people who have performed who have done yeah i mean now i'll say perform because we're talking about that or acting because yeah. you do you have done acting so you know there is that or would i like to act yeah you've done acting before yeah, right yeah, so I've acted. i but you see, I know I'm limited as an actor. But the world is your oyster, Raymond, right now. Okay. That is the question, bar any rules. But you know what, though? I like acting because, yeah. because, because of the things that, that goes with the acting, in the acting industry. When I, all the times when I was acting, maybe I was fortunate, you know, you never have to, I mean, when you dance, you, you're a number. Oh, then God. you have to warm up. Then oh, you go to the, but with acting, it's always Mr. Chai. You'll be seen in 20 minutes. Mr. Chai, you all right? Mr. Chai, we get a cup of tea. Uh, Mr. Chai, would you like to wait here? So, yeah. Interesting. I like performing. In I like performing. I think I that's what I, I, I would like to do. I think that's what I might miss that, actually. I don't know. It's, it's performing. I think we should, we should put that out in the universe that in the next five years, oh, you, no. will be, you will be on stage performing. Let's make, that, let's make that happen. In the next five years, you'll be on stage in no, some capacity. No. Come on, come on. As a coach, what is it that triggers your interest in a dancer? And how do you then develop those qualities in a dancer to become an artist? So what, what they, interests me in the dancer, when I'm coaching the dancer, um, I think the, the, the dancer, the person, the dancer. Yeah. So... When you uh, say the dancer, bar, are you taking in their, their movement, their energy, who they are as a person? Everything. 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 Yeah, the whole package. So... Um, that actually quite excites me. It's like, yeah, your bo her body, his body just loves that that way. Just loves to do that. You shouldn't, yeah. but they love to do it. So then, then you coach that way. You know, you know you, oh, I know you, your body loves to do that, but I'm sorry, but that's not the choreography. We can't do that. <laughs> so we need to find some. Or you say, go that way. Yeah. That's what your body likes to do. Yeah, your body just loves to fall, fall that way. So go that way and see where it takes. Something like that. So um, I, I, I think, yeah, the, the person, when it's something, when it's ballet, and I'm a bit of a purist and a bit of a monster like that, then, then we, we do have the structure and we have to respect those structures. Yeah. Yeah, because it can't be a free-for-all because, you know, it's like if you are you sing an opera, you have to sing it with an operatic voice. I mean, we're talking yeah. about performing here. Yeah, we're not talking about for fun. So you can't have 
a not operatic voice and it's in opera because it's not written like that. So when I'm coaching the classical solos and everything, I'm a purist that way. It has to be like that. Can I ask you a question? Because you're a purist, barring, we're going to move on after this question to diversity and stereotyping, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. And I know we're going to passionately <laughs> talk about that probably for like, no, no, no. But regardless of controversy, and this is just, a, just an opinion from your experience and what age or what level or body type or whatever it is, what sort of point in your life physically or mentally, you can no longer pursue a career as a professional or working classical ballet dancer. Is it like at the age of 12, if, um, if you haven't had any training? So like, let's say I am, I'm 14, I've never had a, or like I'm 20, 22, 23, I've never had any professional dance training ever, but I have a dream to be a classical ballet dancer. Can I do it? Can I actually make a career? And I am, let's say, I am ethnic, so I am from a, I don't know, a remote place in Fiji. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a little bit on the bigger side. Will, will it happen? You talk about classical ballet? Yeah. Well, I, w I would say, well, rather than talking about the age first, I would talk about what the body can do. Okay. So you can be 17 which is quite late or rather yeah. very late. Um, but if you have the facility and you have that will and passion to work hard, then maybe that's a possibility for classical ballet. Is it because your bones start for developing so you for can- a For a boy. Is it literally because you can no longer, like you can't get your hip flexors open or is, is there a technical reason for that or just that's- Well, yeah, because your body is already formed. Okay. Also, classical ballet has that discipline, has those um, disciplines and um, uh, um, what the turnout and everything. And if you don't have the facility, then you're not doing classical ballet. You're doing ballet, but you're not doing classical ballet. Now, there's something, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, I, I think what is wrong is when people go, well, that ballet is so elitist, isn't it? You know, because then I can't do it. No, you can do it. Maybe you can't make a career because because it's sent to be like that. I mean, as I said, I, I, I'm the greatest, greatest opera singer in the whole world. I am. Yeah. I have everything. I have everything. People who are listening, I have everything, everything, everything. Everything. It needs everything. to be an opera singer. Everything it needs to be an opera singer, except the voice. Yeah. Right. You... So, do you know? I mean, I have everything. I have the diva attitude. I have the love for it. Blah, 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 blah. But I don't you have, have the voice. You have the presence. So, I have the presence, you know, but I don't have the voice. So I can't go around going like, you know, there's an injustice done to me. Because, yeah. you know, the Royal Opera won't employ me. Um, but I, I don't, I, maybe it's not for me in this world to be an opera singer. It doesn't mean that I can't sing or yeah. shouldn't sing or even shouldn't sing opera. You know, so yeah, so if you want to make it as a career, but, but also I think now that we also have to, to understand, I mean, um, and, and for younger people, if you want to talk about a career, you, you, you will be with whether one likes it or not and whether one thinks it's correct or not, you could be in competition yeah. with people who've trained and got the bodies and everything. So now I'm not saying that 
if you have the passion and you want to do it, you should never try. If you're willing to work hard, you have the passion. You know, I, I, one of my motives is you've got to go for it because it's what you want. You've got to go yes. for it. But, but so it's not that, oh, it's such an elitist thing, isn't it, ballet? You know, it's only for certain kind of people. It's only for certain kind of people to do certain kind of thing uh, because classical ballet is like that. But it's very expensive to train. That's that's one of the it things. Is, that that's, that. that's another stack thing. That's another I think stack when thing. You, you know, if you're if you're in your seventies and you're, I I understand there's programs and things like that. But if you have a dream to be a ballet dancer and you wanna, you know, train, you have to train really hard. And if you're a single parent and you're raising your child, and they say. There's, there's certain circumstances, it, it does become, no, it unfortunately. And that's something that something maybe um, we need to address. Thankfully, there, there are, you know, there are programs in Royal Ballet, yeah. Royal Ballet School, Royal Ballet, you know, they have, you know, chance to dance, they're doing programs, you know, the place and um, uh, uh, government help there is. But that, that is that, and that, that I think we need to address that. So that, yeah. that, that is also one thing that makes it elitist, is that if you don't yeah. have the money, then you, you don't have to pay, because it is expensive, especially for the girls, it's very expensive. It's, especially for the boys too, because you have to buy stuff, but girls, it was point shoes, yeah? yeah. So it's very expensive. So I, I think support, yeah. We're going to move on to now diversity and being stereotyped and all of those sort of things. Um, so I just want to mention this point and I feel like this is going to get the train going. But on your website, it says you were the first Asian to play a non-Asian role on West End. Taking... Did I say role? Did it's I say a role. role. Somebody put it down <laughs> that way. Um, um, I'll tell you why maybe a friend of mine wrote that. Maybe they wrote role because the role shape can be made a role. Got it. Although it was in the ensemble, but they made a role. So they made a character for me because I'm Asian. Got it. Yeah. And let's talk, let's address diversity first. Not just ethnicity-wise, but also abilities-wise, which I think when we spoke, it's, it's, it was a beautiful conversation on that, that how is there still a lack of diversity in ballet and why does diversity equate to just one specific ethnicity sometimes and that clicks, um, you know, the mark or just two and that's it. What about other ethnicities? So like, let's say just for an example, a hypothetical situation, if you have black, black dancers or mixed race dancers and Southeast dancers, uh, I want to say the word oriental, but I believe that is incorrect to say. So I do apologize I for anybody who's a lit, yeah, but, but oriental dancers, and then that is it. To me, I, I love that, but is that diverse A enough? What about, what about other ethnicities? Because I don't know personally a lot of South Asian ballet dancers. I think I only know of one who works in France who's a Pakistani ballet dancer, yeah. a male Pakistani ballet dancer, um, and that's it. You know, this one, I think we, we need to be, we, we need to really pin down to different races because, and I think culture, and I could be wrong, people listening, you know, I, I could be wrong in that, it's just my, my thinking. Uh, with East Asians, so Southeast Asians, you know, Chinese and Japanese, we are better represented. For some reason, 
um, and I think culturally too, because it's 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 um, people go take ballet lessons. The same people go like in Japan, there's all ballet schools. In Malaysia, there's a ballet schools. You know, so culturally, I think that's also accepted. So you you get people more training. So I think with with maybe Asian. Uh, South yeah. Asian, it's not such a cultural thing for for South Asian girls or boys, and boys to do ballet. And same with black people. I think that that's um, that's where I think we need to address that to make it accessible to kind of I don't know normalize it if that's the word. You know, not normalize in the sense, but that you know it's just as welcome kind of thing. And I don't know, a thought just came to me and I don't know. Maybe I'll talk to my friend maybe one day and talk about it. And I don't know if because we're South Asian dancers you have such a rich and deep tradition of Indian dance you know the Kathak and yeah. maybe culturally people would do that I don't know I don't know I feel like there are like we talked about this the other day there's Ashwarya from Rombe who's one of a contemporary dancer I know Sanya from Jasmine and then, uh, Yasmin Vodman and then there's a couple of others but and, and in terms of when it comes to India um, and Bangladesh and a lot of other places other than Bar Pakistan, because that's where I'm from, there's a lot of um, dance schools out there which are not just rooted in traditional or folk dances. There's a great ballet program, Alvin Ailey, all of these sort of things that go and teach programs there, contemporary workshops and things like that. There's people who do ballet workshops there and ballet intensives right. so it's not it's not that but what i'm trying to say is in the masses when it comes to the actual work of it because the companies to my knowledge are very much based europe america east asia i i don't see that happening in terms of representation when it comes to diversity sorry you sorry you talk about the representation in europe yes yeah well firstly i think I think we also need to be careful uh, about that too, because firstly, we, I think we also need to understand, remember, we are in Europe. Yeah. So the European companies will have a lot of European dancers. Now, that's not to say racism doesn't exist or stereotypes, yeah. stereotypes doesn't exist, yeah? So we are in Europe, so that will be European dancers. And predominantly, or a lot of Europeans are white. So there is. Now, now we need to, now, especially this time, we need to look further. Yeah. But there's a lot of work to be done from now, just about looking further. We need to start them young as well. Because culture already, you know, if you grow up looking at a dance company and they're all white, and you're not white, then, and your parents are not white. So, you know, you're not going to send them to a ballet school. It, yeah. my, I, 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 I'm very fortunate to, 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 to be able to take up ballet because my mom, because her teacher said, let him try it. And my mom was like, okay, you know what? It's only $12, so let him do it kind of thing. But my dad was very hesitant. And the reason he was very hesitant to stand me was because for him, ballet was white European. The ballet teachers were white European, you know, the army wives. The army ones were based in Malaysia because of the yeah. British colony. So the army ones would be there, and of course they're English. So they've had ballet training, so they might not be professional dancers. So they would start some ballet classes. So my dad, to my dad, that's ballet. It's this bunch of army wives, white women, teaching, probably teaching to the expats, you know, the British. So why would, where would my son fit in? Yeah. So, and it was never about me, a boy, Never, but, but it was just that. So 
you see, already with that, that was that stopping. It was like, well, where, where, would, it, where would he get a job? Because everybody's white anyway. So you see, so we, we need to go right down there. So I think in, in, in the other cultures, um, you know, when you don't have that role model, that's why I think it's so important, you know, like Barry Black or, or what showing that, you know what, it's that. <laughs> It's yeah. you know, and you look at it, you say like, it can be done. I, I was fortunate, there was one dancer, he's now teaching in um, Elmhurst, Michael, who was Singaporean. And he's a little bit older than me. So when I was growing up, he got into a ballet school. Okay. So, so when I wanted to do ballet, there was somebody who looked like me. I didn't think that would make such a big impact. Oh, oh, well, it did, but at that time for me, because I was so focused about it anyway, I don't care. You know, I mean, I would do anything to do it. But at the back of my mind was like, somebody did it. Somebody kind of looks like me, to be corny about it, did it. So, so I think this is, this is more important than anything. I mean, the representation, yes, um, for, for people still doing it. But the representation, the voice being heard, very, very important. But for the next generation, they, they, they yeah. really do need to see I mean, now, it's funny, because now I'm this side of the... I actually do look and go, oh my God, that's an Asian actor. Oh, yeah. that's an Asian face. Not in surprise, but more like, oh, oh, that's nice, kind of thing. And even with yeah. that face. So I think, I think that's important for the, 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 the younger generation. And, 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 and about now, for the generation who's performing now, yes, the, the voices need to be heard. I, I, yeah, the, the, the voices, <clears throat> different ethnicity voices needs to be heard and not kind of like, look, we're here as well, you know, it, it's for me, for me, I'm not so much a champion of, look, what about us? We are here too. It's not that, but it's, you can't negate, you can't negate the people who are there. Got it. You can't talk diversity. Sorry. But, uh, that. You can't talk diversity and you not, and you don't mention that you have Japanese dancers. You can't talk diversity and say, look, my company has an Asian dancer, South Asian dancer. You, yeah. you can't. You have, to, you have to mention that. For me, that is much more of a, that, that makes me more, you know, if you want to talk diversity, then you have to talk diversity. And, and that's agree. just skin color diversity. There's so much about yeah. diversity. But if you, if you don't want to go that, if you don't want, you know, that's not our passion, you know. We, yeah. For me, that's it. Because if you don't, if you don't, if you negate that, then you negate the existence of that person and his culture, his or her culture. Did you ever feel, or when, I know you said there was somebody, uh, you said Michael, I believe, who was a dancer, uh, somebody who made it before you. Did you ever feel, sometimes I feel like this in the room when I walk into castings or when sometimes I'm in the room, I'm sometimes the only ethnic person there or the only South Asian there. Did you ever feel the only ethnic person there a and then b have you ever have you ever experienced discrimination especially in regards to your skin color we'll move on to um in terms of physically in in throughout your dance career so not racism but yeah. discrimination well that question yes the other yeah. question of going to a room and i don't know if this is a it would it played in my favor or not but for me, all throughout my performing career, now looking back, I wish I, I was a little bit more aware of that, but all throughout my performing career, I never, you know, I'm Asian, 
I know I'm Asian. I know I look Asian. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. I know everything Asian about, about me. But when I'm auditioning or when I go up for, for, for auditions or when I perform, that never crossed my mind. Yeah. My mom had to tell me once and say like, do you see how you look? <laughs> or do you know who you are kind of thing? Um, so for me, so, I, I, you know, maybe there is, there were, but when I was going up for jobs, I mean, I, I, when I was auditioning in the West End, I would go up for roles where, like, sit on the roof, I would go up for it. Because yeah. they said they want a dancer. So I'm like, well, I'm a dancer. I mean, it literally was like that. Do you know, but I'm a dancer kind of thing. And so, but the other thing about being, um, sorry, um, racially kind of discriminated, of, yes. And I'll tell you when's the most, I mean, it happened sometimes, but you, the most that I felt most was when I was working with lots of Asians playing Asian roles in production. Uh, yeah, not by other Asians, by, by management, by, by um, what do you call it, um, creative team. Wow. I mean, I was told, do you guys not realize England is a cold country? And you, you How talking, do you react to that? And you were talking to people who came from Korea, Japan. Um, yeah, Hello. I must say the sad thing, and I'm now looking back, the sad thing was at that time, you get angry, but you don't, you kind of don't do anything about it. And, and again, Asian people out there who's listening, I um, do apologize. Uh, South Asian, not South Asian, Southeast Asians and <laughs> East Asians, we tend to accept things a lot sometimes, you know? Um, and I think, and I, I know this is a gross gener generalization and probably not right. We kind of accept it and we'll, we'll get it our own way. We'll do it yeah. in our way to get that. Yeah, we won't go like, how dare you? kind of thing you know we, we accept it we won't let it go but we, we kind of go behind it too too so we all got angry we did we did actually did go on strike actually i won't mention the show but we did actually go on strike but whatever whatever but yeah so when you think back you thought what and all and the reason why the whole incident happened was because the show that we did we need to be um half naked because that was you need to be sorry what? half naked you know sort of uh, you know scantily dressed um so the men were topless or something like that because of where we were and and it was very cold uh, and we wanted the heating up uh, that was the thing you know and certain people say it was too hot because that it would it would impact on their performances their voices and everything and we said it was too cold and then instead of looking both sides, um, it was turned to the Asian Asians and go, do you guys not realize that England is a cold country? God. Do you know, even now, you see, I see a reaction and you're, you know, just hearing that you're insane. It's because but I... For them at that time, we were just like, oh my God, what a stupid thing to say or oh, I'm so pissed off that he said that. But we were not, we were not kind of like, I can't believe he just said that. That such a racist, it wasn't like really, really. Yeah, it, we left it to our um, our American brothers and sisters, the Asian American brothers and sisters, because they will yeah. not take anything. They're like, that's not right. We're gonna go to equity. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's it, very I, subtle. Um, it's very yeah. subtle. I've had people say things like, "Well, you are Asian. You're small, so all things you must be small," kind of thing, and you go. Excuse me? 
I think yeah. certain, certain comments, you literally have to just be like, what? But I think for me, it's more of a perception of when you're trying to excel in the industry and certain people hold power yeah. and they say derogatory things or things of discrimination, I, oh my God, I still want to say things, but I can't right now. I have to bite my tongue because I'm currently... I know what but you mean, yeah. How, I don't know how you say something without having it affect your career well, because it's very it's some certain places where you work in the industry is very small comments are always exchanged certain things are always done you make one small thing and that is it how do you bite your lip or what do you do that still gets the point across or but you that's just what I, but i'll come back to the point so it's so important that and i'll talk asian because i'm asian yeah? yeah, and I'll say Asian, Asian, you know, all Asians, yeah, Southeast yeah. Asian, Asian, because because I'm uh, Southeast Asian, yeah. So important that we are not, so important that we have a voice, because that's exactly you know one good one, one main thing is like the Nutcracker, yeah. We we yeah. all know about that thing, and I and I still ask people and I say, what what do you see Chinese? I'm Chinese. Yeah. Do you see me walking in like that? So I don't know where that came from, but but. Of course, I was cast at Nutcracker already that, but never mind. And I had to do that. But you won't question it because you're like, well, I better not question because I want to do it. It's, it's, it's a yeah. role. So, but if Asians have a voice or a recognition, then um, you see, you will black them. You, you will not think twice anymore about blackening somebody up. You won't black somebody up, right? I mean, yeah. you, just, you just don't do it. You don't yellow somebody up, but you would do yeah. that. I mean, for me, that's, you know, that's, you will do, <laughs> you do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Do you see me walking like, I mean, for me, that, that's the best or the way to just tell people what, what, what justification is it? You know, so that's stereotyping. So, but but if you but so it comes back to me. So if you if you negate the whole, and it's not just Asians now. We we talk about other ethnicities. If you negate them by not giving them voice, or 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 when you talk diversity, you don't you don't include them, then they don't have a voice. Yeah. And because Asian people are you know kind of nice and they don't say anything and they're very good workers and they will just do what they're told. It's okay. Yeah, when it's not. I've been asked to take my curtain call when yeah. I played an Asian character in my underpants. Oh, God. Now, those underpants are part of a costume. Yeah. And they're very nice costume. What, the underpants? The, well, the underclothing, <laughs> the underclothing. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Got they're it. very nice costumes, actually. So if you look at it, if you look at it like that, you won't think of them, they're, they're, they're undergarments. You can see yeah. that they're undergarments because you, you saw them take off the thing that was undergarments. But they're not, they don't look like they're undergarments. So they're, they're actually quite nice. And at that time, again, I, I wasn't happy. I said something and then it wasn't, but now I look back and I thought, you've made me take my curtain call in, a, in, a, in undergarments. What about? Do you know what I'm saying? And it was a feature yeah. role. So, and, 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 I, and, I, and I know, I, I know, I mean, I know there was no malice there, and I know it wasn't a racist thing. You know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, let's put them down. None of that. I know, you know, I, I, to, to this day, I know it's not that. It, it's not that at all. So there's no maliciousness, malice there, anything. 
but if we if we just think twice, and and I've I've been to a lot of diversity training and baba talks, yeah, and the one thing that I've and usually it's by a black person talking to a whole room of white person and me, you know, then I'm like, where does this sit with me? But one thing this person said that rings true is that she said, all we need to do now is to um, what do you call it? Think twice. Give yourself a second. So yeah. if you if if you just think she's actually coming out in his undergarments, brilliant undergarments, <laughs> they were they were actually designed by by Oscar winner designer, you know. And as I said, you wouldn't know they're undergarments, but there are undergarments, right? So however good it is, the undergarments, and I'm taking my curtain call in my undergarments. So I think I think it's... that's what we need to do now. Um, and it comes back to the to the you know um, when you talk diversity thing, and I don't think anybody is negating anything. I, I really yeah. don't. I don't think people are like oh those Asian people we don't need to talk about them. They're they're there. You know, there's lots of them. We gave them jobs. You know, it's not nothing like that at all. I really believe there's nothing like that. But we need, and this is what happened to me too, um, since I don't know just for the last ten years. If we just give a thought. So if you say diversity and you don't talk to me, that's then or you don't take me into account, then I think yeah. I want to quickly ask you about stereotyping and kind of include sexuality in this the perception and the stereotyping of a male role versus a female role in classical ballet and ballet in general there's a stereotyping of what a male ballet dancer is meant to look like sometimes and similar with females when it comes to classical and normal ballet um would you agree or disagree with that or not really that's a stereotype that's a stereotype that also the guy is very like strong, male, masculine, muscles, things, everything. And a woman is very agile, feminine, and all that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think again, if you talk classical ballet, if you talk classical ballet, because because the male dancer is the prince. Yeah. And the female dancer is the princess. Yeah. Or the swan. So so and and then I think I think for now then it goes into the, our perception because. I think it's wrong, but our perception of a prince would be the tall, maybe blonde, maybe blue. Well, you say that. Kind of you thing. say that. We talked about this the other day. I was like, the stereotyping of what a man is meant to be, yeah. an attractive man, a commercial yeah. mainstream, yeah. is meant to be blonde. He's meant to be white. He has muscles and things like that. But, but I, I, I have never been looking at that for me masculinity means like having being in touch with your feminine side and well, being yeah. affectionate well, yeah. and being able to say you know look look your best friend in the eye and say dude i love you and not mean you know i love you or like i'm gay or anything like that it just but that yeah. hasn't been that hasn't been it for so many years yeah we have to work so hard and still working hard to be able to do that but but because you know the stereotypes, you know of, of as I say, the prince. And 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 again, we said you know we want to bring the the Asian thing back to me. The women are always okay to be the principal or ballet dancer, yeah. especially Asian women, South I mean East Asian, women. because you know they're the kind of the feminine thing. And then they're the swan, and then they're the princess. 
you know. Um, but then also, you know, you can have the other way. When has uh, uh, a Asian woman, and when I say Asian, I would say much more the South, uh, the Southeast Asian, the Japanese, the Chinese. When have they usually been given a role in a European company? I'm saying, huh? given a role when they play the evil mistress, mm. when they play the the evil part, they're always the kind of the nice feminine thing in ballet. Yeah, they don't usually get to play the other role. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of Chinese Japanese women who has that, who can play that, who probably itching to play that as well. So, yeah. But that's society, isn't it? That, that's how, what we think. And again, maybe that's the work we need to do. And thankfully, do think... I think we're doing it. Huh? I think a lot of dance makers are doing it. Huh? Okay. A lot of dance makers are doing it. You know, Matthew Bourne, he's, he's, he's mixing it up, doing this, doing that. You know, Akram Khan, he's women. Akram's women. Uh, yeah. And they're, and they're, and they're Chinese. The four ones from Taiwan. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, the Chinese women. And yeah, they're, they're strong women. So, so, but then if we see, if we continue to see and be allowed to see and people show them, then it will be accepted. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on now. And we're going to leave that wonderful conversation there to happier notes. And I am intrigued by the fact when I read that you're a ballet master and I want to get your take on certain things. A, what does it mean to be a ballet master? Do educate me on that. Do you get a gift certificate? Do you get no. discounts or from like, I don't know, Danceworks gift shop or like the Royal Ballet? Do you get discount tickets? Like, what does it mean? And how do you get to be a ballet master? You see a ballet master the dancers who, 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 you know, got too old, you know, they, 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 they moved on from dancing. I mean, ballet master, usually it's now a lot of people say ballet master when they mean ballet teacher got in it. a company. But ballet master in, in this, I, I think in the strictest sense of the, sense of the word would be when you're in a ballet company. And usually it's the person who, you know, they've been through the company, so they know the rep and everything. And Got they're it. not dancing anymore. So they're the ballet master. So they will be in charge of rehearsing, um, coaching, that kind of thing in a ballet company. That's why they call it ballet master. I've done that a couple of times. It's not something that I, I, I like to do or it's my forte because I don't like to reproduce other people's work because I change them. See, I have a question on that, and I, I would love to get your take. So when I got the opportunity to teach at Danceworks, and I feel like Danceworks is such a prestigious staple of a dance studio within the London dance scene, and it represents something in terms of classical ballet, ballet with, you know, the ballet academy that they have and the contemporary dancing, I think like Danceworks is very much a base in that and jazz. Uh, and then when I got the opportunity to teach there and I saw my picture next to yours, next to um, David's who teaches Horton Technique, I kind of felt undeserving or not deserving to be in the same because I was like, yes, I have danced my entire life, but I was like, there's this entire generation of, and I don't consider myself of that generation, but I studied I did my ETM, I did my graduation, level three graduation in terms of, you know, fitness, did the way, did put, put in my work, went to auditions, have done the work, and now am teaching in a different genre. But, you know, it's like yourself when you're talking about ballet master, people who know the rep, who've worked with the company for an extensive amount of times and have knowledge to part on. In today's age, when I see kids 
I have to say kids now, because I'm almost about to be 30, who literally create a such a mass digital space presence and then get workshops or get priorities and get regular dance slots. What, how do you feel about that? Well, this is, the, <laughs> I mean, this is the age we're living in. So we have to, to accept that. I don't, I, you know, if blame is a good word to use, but I shouldn't use the word blame. But, you know, the, the young people, the younger people, they have to yeah. do what they have to do. Yeah. So, so, you know, firstly, for me, you know, coming back to what you said about your picture, and it's what we have to offer. Basically, that's all it is. Is what we have to offer. You have to offer, you have this to offer, I have this. So now if they have something to offer in value, that's great. Whether they're 90, whether they're 27, whether they're 35, whether they're 65, you know, if they have something to offer, that's good. The, the, the thing that what I would, and I, I was talking to, uh, or rather she said something, she put a post up and I said, you know, we, we were both dancers and now we are teaching and everything. And she, she just went back to home country and she said, like, oh, this, they're giving young people all this, you know, to be teachers and blah, blah, blah. The yeah. thing is that it, it's, not, it's not the young people's fault. Because of course, if you give me a, 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 an opportunity, I'm going to take it. I'll be silly not to take it. But I think it's the people, maybe the establishment, let's say. Yeah? Not again, for me, not again to not give the young people the opportunity, but they should not negate the people who've made a career, who've been through so much. Because I think now, a days there is a little bit of that and i hope it's it's going to it's just a passing thing you know kind of like well because we're all into new what's mm -hmm. new you know and that's great but what about somebody who's been through it yeah you know and what that person have to offer so so let's say you're young so you you haven't been through what i've been through so your contribution is slightly different so what they get from you will be a little bit what they get from me i know with different disciplines teaching, but let's say we both teach the same thing. So the, the, the thing is that we mustn't, society establishments, yeah, institutions, we must never negate that kind of, you know, we're all for the young because we, are, we want to be diversity. We want to diversify. Yeah. Again, that, that word diversity come up. So, so again, uh, using the word diversity, but kind of throwing out the old. Now, if the old person, or the young person for that matter, is not offering something that is, so let's talk about teaching, yeah? If they're not offering something that could empower further the, the career, the training of this dancer, then whether you're young or old, you're not, sorry, you're not in my establishment, I know, you know. But experience is something that is so, and yeah. especially with dance, where experiential. Um, I agree. It's so, important yeah that we've been through it so but whatever age if you're 25 and you start teaching you use whatever experience you have you have that to offer and that's just as valid yeah but it's all i think my issue and i'm really sounding like an old um what do you call it you uh, by the way old person, very, very, uh, you're very open-minded when, when the old people when, when because because i do see it because i am old so i yes. you know it's in my category i see sometimes it's like you know well yeah, but they, they, they're doing this now, which is much more today. Great. Have them. Have them. Yeah. We must have them. But the person who's been through 30 years of it will also have something to offer. Yeah. You know, disappointments? 
A person of 25 will not be able to, to empower nope. students about disappointments. But the person who is like 55 or 60 will tell you, yeah, maybe you can say like, I know what you're going through. It happens to all of us. Yeah. And you will get through this, you know. So the 25-year-old will have something to offer. Yes. And we must accept what they have to offer too. But so has the 55 and the 65 and the 75. I think it's a, a right now for me and in the industry, in the commercial mainstream, can tell or see, and I talk about this with my friends, it's kind of become a popularity contest in a way. Um, who has the more views? Who has the most yeah. followers? Who has this? And I, I, I think to this day, I think I, I say this, I think contemporary sometimes is getting infiltrated by that. But um, ballet is very much a staple. But I wonder what would the world the ballet world in particular be like, let's say if one of these, or let's say if, if one of these TikTokers who do these videos or Instagram influencers were to come and take a job from a ballet dancer who has worked 15 years of his or her life to get into an academy, has the potential, is not there yet, but has the potential and things to offer. But because this other person has got more followers and they know that they'll yeah. sell out the tickets if they're in the company or they'll get the big producers to come in or things like that. I wonder how the the dynamics and the shift will change. But that's that's the discussion that I hope we will continue will continue to, to have. have. Do you know? Yeah. 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 I wanna get your perception on the digital space and teaching in this in this sort of situation and like um, I feel like I, even I myself of a, of a generation where I, yes, I do have an Instagram account. Yes, we're using this to do this sort of conversation. I do hate the art of showing off. And yes, there's a, a little bit of narcissism and things like that. But how has the digital space impacted you, Raymond, as a dancer, teacher, choreographer? And how has it been teaching and surviving <laughs> through the digital space during COVID? Well, the way I look at it, <laughs> We don't have much choice. Yes. So I, I think the way I look at it is actually, thank God, can you imagine we didn't have Zoom? Yeah. True. But, but, very big but, we must go back to the studio. Yeah. I saw, oh, there's nothing like being in the studio. This is, I won't say this is great. This is, it gets us along because there's nothing else. Yeah, yeah. And, and somebody said, I think it was Janet Lewis, she said, the only other option is to do nothing. And that's not yeah. an option. Yeah. And thank God for that. And, and, and not just to professional dancers huh? who, 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 who needs that because this is the soul. This is, this is food for, for, for dancers. Yeah? Yes. The class. But for the people who are not prof professional dancers who, who did that, I mean, Really, it really, it, I'm, I'm quite actually touched to hear them say, you know, they got them through it, blah, blah, blah. So this is important um, for now. <laughs> we, I mean, it can continue, but it was never, please, it must never take the place of the studio. Yes. It must never take the place of the individual attention. It must never take the place. I don't care when, when it gets a little bit more normal and we still have to wear a mask to be able to, to go closer to the person and say, actually, this part here, can you not lift here? That, these sort of things. And, and for me or the performer or somebody to see the person who's teaching, coaching, um, 
they're, they're, you can see only so much from a screen, but how they, especially when they're coaching, especially when they're choreographing and creating, how they, their, their body language, how it should be, how so-and-so does it that way, you know, those yes. things. Yeah, so um, this is okay for now, you know, and, 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 and I think it's serving its purpose, yeah? I mean, that, I mean yes. can you imagine if we didn't have this? We, we would be, is, we would, we would. That I mean, is, uh, if we don't have this, so I think it's great. But we, we need yes. to, yeah, we need to work to going back to the students. Hello, everybody. I am so sorry to interrupt again, but I had to. If I haven't mentioned this before, Chai With Rai is a pre-recorded show, which I transfer into podcasts. So the next section of the show, which is called Sip a Chai or Play With Rai, is a game section where the guests and I just let loose and have fun, and it might not make sense in podcast form. So to watch any of that or to watch any of the previous episodes, simply go onto YouTube, you poop YouTube and type in Chai with Rai to find the relevant episode. I hope you will see the fun that we have and just how we let loose. I hope you guys have been enjoying this. Thank you so much for sticking in and let's get back to the end of the show. Ballet, we don't really move the hip joint so much. We don't certainly don't move the bum. Would you just be like on point shaking, like just hitting the ass out? All right, so we've come to an end. Thank you so much for doing this. I just want a quick little situation of things. Couple of questions left. What words of wisdom would you give to your mirror self today? Um, uh, um, trust yourself. Trust, trust yourself. Trust yourself more. Trust your instinct. I always ask people this question. It's called peaks and valleys. Peak is a highest point of your life. It's personal, professional. And I, I kindly ask, what was it for you? And what lesson you learned for it? And then Pip Valley is a low point of your life, personal, professional. What lesson, uh, what was it and what lesson you learned from it? Do you know, I can't, because for me, it's my belief, but also for me in my life, it's so much that. So yes. I, I don't think, because I've been fortunate, basically, really been fortunate. So there wasn't one that was like, yeah, but everything I did, it was, you know, it went up. But of course, you know, there were the down moments, yeah. But, but so I'll tell you what's probably one of the down moments. At that time, it didn't see down because I was so over it. There was one time when I, I, I got into Cats London, you know, after seven auditions in three years and blah, 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 you know. I got it. They gave me the job and um, I needed a work permit because I needed a work permit. Because of Thatcher again. <laughs> Um, no, that was afterwards. She's she's gone by then. But it was still conservative government. Um, and anyway, I so they they did not the production company did not submit the work permit okay. without me knowing. You know, it was they were lax. Yeah. So I lost the contract because they were sending you know, and and I was so over it. I just went, you know, and I actually called my mom and my dad. I just say. Can I have the money? Will you send me a one-way ticket back to Malaysia? Because I'm over this. Yeah. And they were just about to send me. And that's why my movie is called Providence. And someone watching over me. Because as soon as I told my parents that, and they, they were, they would say, actually, I think they did buy me a one-way ticket. They did buy me a one-way ticket back to Malaysia. Um, I got a call from Germany. 
the German production of kids yes. who offered me a contract there. Wow. Yeah, so, so what I learned from it is that you've got to trust, you've got to believe that that's going to happen. Yes. Because it's so, it's so, yeah, it's so deep. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to believe, well, you do believe that it's going to happen, but you've got to trust it. So, yeah, that, that, that was the lesson I learned. And then, yeah, and that's why I just want to throw this, because we are talking about Brexit, you know, and that's why for me, I will always be European, because you yeah. gave me a home for, for 20 years. Well, that brings us to an end and I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did so, make sure to subscribe, follow and spread the love. Share this with a friend, an auntie, your nephew, your niece, that creep or that neighbor, you know the one I'm talking about. Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow. By the way, if I haven't said this before, to watch any of the previous or this very episode's video, simply go to my YouTube and simply type in Chai with Rai to find the relevant episode. I hope you have had an amazing day or night if you're listening to this before sleeping. I'm wishing you all love and light. And as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. Now I must go. <laughs> Meaning now I must go. That's copyrighted. I own it. And I will see you saying but for real thank you so much for tuning in it's been my pleasure stay curious and until next time